back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. As fast you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, 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 dude, it, it can just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. Welcome to Bash U Live, everybody. Good morning. It's a Tuesday morning. Glad to have you guys with us uh, talking bass fishing. A lot has been uh, transpired amongst the Bash U crew and the bass fishing world this week, so we have a lot of really cool stuff to talk about. I'm fresh back from the Bassmaster Open on Lake Oneida, and uh, looking forward to talking about that because we got the champ, Casey Smith, who won that tournament and has punched his ticket to the Bassmaster Classic. We're going to be talking to him about how he, uh, man, how he really pulled it out at the end of the day. I'm looking forward to hearing the story and uh, how he made the adjustments because Lake Ooh, Oneida is juicy. one of the trickiest lakes on the planet that you constantly have to adjust to. Um, can't wait to talk to him. We're going to be talking about iCast. We're, we're all going to be at iCast next week. Are you? We're going to be looking at the new products, uh, checking out uh, all the, the great new designs that are coming out and voting, and, and, and really looking forward to that event. It's one of the best events in fishing every single year, and we're going to have a little preview down there of some things that are coming, including the new Humminbird Target Lock, which you may have seen some previews out there. Uh, pretty amazing. We had a chance to to play with that a little bit out in Michigan not uh, just a couple weeks ago. Really, really amazing technology. Uh, that is just one of many things that are going to be revealed at iCast. And we got a really cool, uh, we're going to have a Champions Box uh, unboxing from the MLF Champions Box. We're going to be unboxing that. We have some cool Bash University stuff inside that box, which oh, we're, yeah. we're kind of psyched about. So, great show. Great show featuring Casey Smith, the champ, is going to be on with us shortly. And, Rich, I have tournament hangover. I know the feeling, Pete. Uh, we are here for you. I am here for you, brother. We have open arms. Uh, I know. You, I know you're still haunted by your your tournament, uh, and I have it bad with uh, with this open. Some, it, I don't know. You guys, I you gotta commiserate with us on this. Do you guys have this? Do you guys get this when you have a, a tournament doesn't go your way? It doesn't feel, um, you know. Some, something goes awry and, and you make the wrong decision, you don't have the right bait on or something, it haunts me to the ends of the earth, and it's haunting me right now, Riz. Mm. And uh, I I need to get better at getting rid of that quicker. It, you know, it, so I, I was going through the – I mean, this is years ago. I had a bad event or I had lost fish at the mm. end of an event that would have, you know, put me in the winter circle. And uh, I was talking with, with – you and Mike about it. And, uh, 
you guys both said something to me that that has still stuck with me. Then you, the, what you guys instilled on me was you'll have good events that make the bad events go away. Right. So it's the only thing you can do is you got to just back keep on there. fishing. You get gotta back on the horse. Get back on the it's horse. Like the hair of the dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Bite the dog that bit you. You got to yeah. you got to a hard one in the morning. You know what I mean? It's like you got to you got to get back on the horse and get get after it. So, you know, <laughs> Howie Range said, yeah, it does until I get back to the dock and put it, my hand in the cooler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's that's right. Get a founders. Yeah, uh, that'll that'll help. That'll help ease the pain. Howie, I think you, I think you're right. Josh, the other, the other one is you got to be like a goldfish. <laughs> you know Short why? T- yeah. Ten second memory. Yeah. All right, that's what you got. You got to you got to forget and you got to Dory. Yes. (laughs) So the craziest thing is that just like there's a lot of things in life. It's easy to have a 10 second memory with and Mm -hmm. a lot of things you wish you did not have a 10 second memory (laughs) with, including myself. But when it comes to fishing, it seems to be a 10 year memory. So, if not longer, it it sticks. (laughs) It sticks. But uh, some of you may remember this guy sitting next to me right now. Good to have you with us, man. Oh, thanks, man. It's good to be here. And, uh, yes, I, I can relate to the conversation you guys were just having. I was just <laughs> thinking about, I think probably for me, the best part of almost every fishing trip is the night before. Getting my yeah. tackle ready. Cause yeah. Because, you know, all the possibilities are there. The anticipation, you know I mean? the optimism. Happen. Yeah. Yep. And then reality sets. And then the reality. (laughs) (laughs) Lost fish, no bites. Oh, my gosh. Usually figure it out right about the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. I I am notorious, like a lot of people, I'm sure. I always, without fail, figure it out on the drive home. Uh Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst place on the planet to figure it out, you know? (laughs) Oh. Well, Lake Oneida got me. I had a great first day. I had to, I yeah. actually had three really good tournament days on Oneida in a row, if you include last year. Right. So there you go. I had three good ones in a row. Uh, day this the second day of this tournament. First uh, day you crushed them, my man. Way. You said you caught a lot of fish too, right? On day one. Man, did we unload on them? It was it was, you know, things change, and right. that, yep. like we talk about this all the time. The one thing you can expect is change. Yep. In any tournament day, and it changed. And I, I had been flipping, and I, I went to a finesse approach, and and I nailed it and just caught fish after fish. I was able to call. I was moving through areas, finding some new water, and continuing to move my weight and get where I needed to be, right in a competitive spot, you know, in the tournament after day one. And, um and day two was just absolute, just everything went wrong. Not, it didn't go wrong. It just didn't go right. Starting out by my partner putting colossal beat down on me. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate Ooh. that. And uh, that was, oh, my gosh. We've all been there, too. But my. Um, oh, yeah. Nice one. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Great job, yeah. man. Oh, you got another one. Right. Uh, is that your drag again? Pete, Pete <laughs> which, which one of these is the smallest that I have to let go, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Look at all your fish on the floor of the boat. You're calling again, huh? Oh, my God. Uh, we shouldn't have to get a net for him. Uh, no, but Pete, can I borrow your scale and your balance beam? And, like, yes, Johnny you can. <laughs> Can we make this live well bigger? <laughs> oh my god! Can I use your side of the live well, being you're not using it? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, but that was all. I mean, it, it, as horrifying as it was, it was awesome 
because he brought out a bait that is is called a chompers, um, which is a, a a hula grub that that you know was spider grub. Spider grub, another term for it. It's yeah. uh, you know, real popular a while back. Back in the eighties. Yeah, 90s. and and still a great bait. You know, it's a fantastic tool, and oh my gosh, it just it seemed like every fish would, and I landed on right. I found them. I was right there where I needed to be. I identified their movements, got us right in the right spot for him to catch them all. <laughs> and, uh, and he went and uh, he just wherever he threw, it was just crazy. And I was, I was, and man, tell him enough. Huh? Uh, well, we're we're open water. I mean, it was just like it was wide. It was, but it didn't matter. I mean, he could have cast on in a tree on a shoreline, and a fish <laughs> would have crawled up the tree to get it. You know, it's it, <laughs> something I noticed about that place. It has extra fish. So you you go and you hit. It's just one of them lakes. It's a New York lake. You go and you hit all the stuff that's supposed to have them. The community holds. There's fish there. Yeah, but Oneida's got extra fish, so there's you know fish. peripherals. Yeah, yeah, there's fish everywhere. Right, you're right. And and we'll talk to uh, Casey about fishing that. in New York. Yeah, man. yeah, because well. in a tournament like that with 225 boats on that, you piece, better have extra, you better have extra spots. Extra, too. extra, extra fish plus. Dude, you know what's crazy though about what you said? How the the fish they just got on that bait that he mm -hmm. was throwing. I've seen this happen before uh, enough times that like I think it's real. Like. Like, I've been on a bite before, say, you know, a grass fishing bite where I'm catching them on a chatterbait, one after another, you know, catch three, four in a row. And then the guy in the back of the boat or a boat next to you will catch one on a red rattle trap. And, they, like, every fish doesn't even see the chatterbait anymore. Right. But he's catching one every cast yeah. on a red trap. Like, it's like the whole school, the mood gets changed towards that one that I've one seen, bait, yeah. and they're they're they they stop competing over your bait, and now they're competing over that other bait. You might as well not even have a bait in the water. They're looking for that other bait. I, I've I've seen it a, a, a few, on rare occasions where it seems like that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. When it's they like, school up, like one they starts get in the mood. One starts biting that bait. It's like it's like we got fifty dog toys in the house. Yeah, and one of our dogs decides he wants the penguin toy, yeah. so the other dog has to have the penguin toy too. Right, won't be satisfied with any yeah. of the other toys, yeah. and they're fighting over that. That's exactly what happened to it's me like on Lake bunch, It's like a bunch of kids in a in a freaking preschool classroom. Like, oh, yeah. they all want one toy. They, once once one of them wants it, they all want it. Oh but my if, gosh! But if no, if nobody wants it, nah, we're good. We're, uh, we're what good were you on that, using G. though? They want to know what you were using in your. your I'll take a guess, people. Well, <laughs> I well let, let me go. Let me go through it. Take a right, I, I had been throwing the the previous day. I was using the Dean's rig, uh, which go on Bashy.tv. You can see me talk about it. It just it's a killer tool. I was using a black Dean's rig and flipping a black Senko, which just were were terrific tools. Guess what? They didn't want while this was going down. That wasn't happening. I switched over to a Beaver. Not happening. A, a, a creature bait. I switched over to a jig with a uh, double swimming trailer, same color as the the chompers. Not having it. Really. Went to a heavy jig, a one ounce jig, to yeah. try to get a reaction strike out of these fish. Not having it. Oh, it just like fail. And meanwhile, it, the culling's going on, <laughs> measuring the fish, you know, all this stuff. Oh. And and I'm I'm frantically going through my cycles trying to get a strike. And he get the, he would get back up, throw that bait out there, have another fish on right away. Oh my god! And it, it just this this happened for about an hour and a half. How do you have it rigged? 
Uh, he was using on a jig head. He was using a 15-pound test braid tied direct to the bait. Um and on a spinning, spinning rod, rod yeah. and and yeah. he just, I mean, I mean to tell you, like you said, Rich. And you were in grass, right? I was in rocks and grass. Rocks and grass, yeah. You know, it was sparse grass with, with rock. And, Braid uh, direct on a jig head. It's it's a lot of that, like cabbage grass up there, right? It's It, it was cabbage and star grass is yeah. what we were fishing. Right, that braid Stringy direct on a, on a jig head. He, shoot. Yeah, well... Just, but like what kind of jig head? Exposed Texas rig? It was it was um like a a, a regular flipping jig, an Arky style uh, jig. Oh, weed guard. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. You know, but it didn't it didn't matter. I mean, as soon as it hit the water, fish want yes. they they were yeah. over to it. Uh, I believe it was three eighths. Yep. You know, it was on the lighter side, but it's just it it was a period of about an hour and a half that this that went through, and then mm-hmm. you know I made some adjustments and and I was able to get my fish throughout the day, but I just couldn't get the size that i needed but uh what color um that was watermelon uh, and that that was actually the solution to it because this was interesting as if we've all been through this scenario i was i was trying to match the shape right. i thought that that was the trigger yep. right so i'm looking for swimming tails i'm looking for short compact bulky style baits to yep. match but it was actually the color because when i i switched over to a watermelon senko I got two. I got two bites, but the flurry was at its end. I caught two right at the end, and then it was All that right, was so it. What, what it was, was the, over. What was the weather conditions on day one? The day it was light breeze out of the north with over slight, you know, day overcast one. conditions, low light conditions. Day one was low light. Day I'm sorry. Day two, day two day was low light. Day one was bright light. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of sunshine That's on day why. two, and the color was yeah. black day one, right? Keller was black. Yeah. And day two, it went cloudy, and yeah. you had to go but, more to watermelon. But I switched back later on in the clouds. Uh, like, I kept going back and forth, and yeah. the, the black color just worked. Well, that was extra fish. Effectively. Right. But, yeah, during the, during huh. that flurry, that was uh, – Man, oh man, that was that was a, a crazy scenario, and he did a, yep. did a great job catching all those fish. But there's it, a takeaway in this, there is. In, in in what you're explain it to in, me. In what you're What's discussing the takeaway? right here? It, it, <laughs> it clicked it for me. Is that so? You were trying to match the, you were trying to match the profile of the bait, the mm-hmm. fall, the, you know, the action more so, right? Because we've heard for so long, ah, oh, it's all about the action. It's all about the action. Color's just a multiplier, right? Yeah. Well, in this case color might have been trumping the action or the profile of the bait. So when you're going through your your rotations and you're going through your sequences of, okay, I'm switching, I'm going through, let's not forget about color in all these kinds of situations. Is Oneida, is it real clear? 10 feet of visibility. 10 feet of visibility, right? Yeah. So if you got a clear water lake, you know, Color, color needs to be in your your you're, rotation you're, of things that you're you're adjusting. I, on. You're 100 percent correct. And because I, I forget I, I got, about it. I just got to it late. Yeah, you know. I forget about. It. I'm I'm I'm. You know, I'll be the first to admit. I'll 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 say ah, color doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter. It's always about profile, shape yeah. of the bait, fall rate, all that stuff. Yep. Well, so they I, can see. I was up there the week before the event, mm-hmm. pre-fished with Mike for two days, um, and that fast rate of fall bite, you know. Well, you know, you, you ruined with Mike. That was one thing we noticed, but color. And I started catching them on a black Ned rig. Um, but bright, bright high skies, black was outfishing everything else. Mm-hmm. And when it was overcast or, or wasn't bright skies, it was other stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What, yeah. So that, that's, I think that was probably the biggest factor was the. Maybe you could have shared that little piece of intel with me prior uh, to my practice round. Well, I mean, I, I don't. 
kiss and tell. I was up there <laughs> like, so. nah, it's it's all good. It's uh, sorry about that. Yeah, we uh, we we had a great we had a fun tournament. It was fr- it was uh, it was challenging for me, but and you know what what the other thing was about us? We have an open house, and I just want to give a quick shout out. Ike was there. AJ Slagonia, Brooks, Tim, and Josh all staying at the open house. And on the pro side, in our open house again this year, I finished in last place. It's harder to win in the house I stay <laughs> on Lake Oneida than it is in the entire tournament. <laughs> we just got a bunch of hammers at, at the open house. Yeah, AJ's uh, good. AJ's great up yeah. there. In particular, he's got a really unique style. Appreciated meeting him and, yeah. and uh, learning about how he loves to fish up there. But, he, knows, uh, he knows those New York lakes good. Mm-hmm. He, he, he took me to school. up. Uh, we fished together on Candlewood mm-hmm. a few years ago. Showed me some stuff that's still – still used today i mean in our water down here that's some pretty cool stuff so awesome well i appreciate you guys watching us we're brought to you by tackle direct we're here in tackle direct studios and uh speaking of getting schooled we all did and uh up there at lake oneida and i without any further ado i want to bring on the champ uh the winner of the bass open um casey smith the champ is uh just totally just just really crushed it, got it, punched his ticket to the Bassmaster Classic. Uh, Casey, are you there with us? I'm here. You got me? I hear you, but there you are. Now we got you. Now we got you visibly, man. You're the Congratulations, man. That's an amazing win. Thank you. Thank you. It's unbelievable. I don't think it's fully set in yet. <laughs> I don't know if it ever will set in, but uh, special week for sure. Well, it's uh, this lake, uh, you know, as I was learning a, a little bit about your win, um, you're no stranger to this lake. It's, it seems like this lake is a, a special place for you. Yeah, this is a special one. I would say uh, Cayuga and Oneida are probably my two home lakes, my two favorite lakes. Oneida is a little farther away, but I spent a lot of days on the water here. I had a close call in 2016. Corey Johnson edged me out a little bit in FLW tournament. Uh, but I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time on that pond and it's a special place. My family and I vacation there every year and, um, there was no better place. I'd rather have this happen than there. Well, it, it did, it really did happen. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know you, you probably got to pinch yourself and, uh, and, but you're no stranger to the winner circle. You won, uh, over on the MLF side too. And, uh, you know, I, I find that guys, man, if they can get in the winner circle, they uh, they tend to do it over and over again. So we're, we're not surprised to see this, but it's got to it's got to feel good. Um, you're going to the Bassmaster Classic, man, that this is uh, this is quite a trip, quite an award. Yeah, that part uh, was kind of a bonus. Um, I hate to admit it, but I kind of forgot about it. Um, I was so focused on winning the tournament having my family and friends there <clears throat> that uh i didn't think about it I, it hit me really quickly wednesday or uh, friday night when i was rigging tackle um and i just kind of moved on from the thought and then uh saturday i was in the way and i in the bag line and my buddy alex weatherill came up to me just before i weighed in and said dude it looks like you're gonna win uh you're going to the classic and i was like holy crap i forgot <laughs> all i hadn't thought about it all day um honestly that part's a little bit overwhelming um you know i'm a working guy i fish on the side for you know the competitiveness and a hobby so to be there with um i don't know to quite honestly your heroes that's pretty cool and uh, i'm super excited about it 
I don't want to get caught up too bad in it and just be happy to be there. I want to go and compete and give it my all. But, um, yeah, it's lifelong dream type stuff for sure. Man, well, it's true it's happened. And uh, maybe not thinking about it helped you because uh, you, you we talked about, uh, you know, I was whining and making the excuses about my performance, as you probably <laughs> heard. But it's uh, Lake Oneida is notorious for having to make adjustments. Uh, yeah. and, and it sound, it, it looked to me like, well, I, I saw, I read where you made an adjustment on the last day, but me, I imagine there had to be a lot of adjustments to keep you at the top of the leaderboard as the tournament went on. Yeah, it was literally nonstop. Um, <clears throat> I had a pretty reliable, I don't, I don't want to call it a pattern, but, um, you know, I was, it was all rock related, sand related, transition related. Um, but I was constantly moving in and out depth wise, uh, section of the lake wise. That was, that was nonstop. The conditions were changing nonstop all three days, not only from a sunny to cloudy, windy to calm standpoint, but seasonally they were changing nonstop as well. And it was, a it was quite a bit of work to try and stay on top of that the entire time. Tell, take us through that. What, what was happening? Were they, the post-spawn? uh scenarios is that what yeah. you were facing yeah they were definitely post-spawn i mean they they spawn pretty early in june that that lake spawns earlier than um basically anything else around here um and they were shallow and and mother nature gives those fish a good opportunity to feed up on that lake where a lot of our other lakes um there's a little bit of a funk and oneida always gets a really good mayfly hatch right after the, the spawn and allows those feed those fish to feed up there's abundant crawdads there's abundant gobies the perch have their spawn there's perch fry everywhere um, so there's a lot of opportunity for those fish to eat in the post spawn and that's what they were doing they were relatively shallow um, that's a relatively shallow lake as it is but they were they were feeding on all those different opportunities starting to group up they were i fished a cash in rods tournament there two weeks before and the bites were a lot more spread out and as practice progressed and the tournament progressed in this tournament they began to group up a little bit more shallower you know get in those wolf packs of five to eight to ten fish whatever it was and they were forming those groups feeding heavily before they moved out to deeper water for the summertime interesting they the now I was talking with Ike, right? We were practicing, and, and we kind of approached the lake in, in similar ways. But he, he after, when he was after the smallmouth, I remember him saying this, that he was catching much bigger fish when he was outside of the groups, like uh, the more nomadic fish, you know, maybe in smaller yeah. wolf packs versus <laughs> the big schools were, were smaller at that time. Is that what you experienced? Um. Yeah, I mean, that's – I, I had a buddy who was chasing nomadic fish in practice and he caught some giant ones, but I, I told him it was a little bit of the La La Land pattern. Like it was just too, what he was doing was too far out um, for those bait fish eaters and stuff like that. And that used to be what the lake was, right? Was it was just mm. pure bait fish eaters. Um, I've seen, Ike. you know, you can't help but notice him because he's a big <laughs> presence on the water and, I've seen him on that lake in tournaments and practice doing a lot of that stuff uh, in areas I've done it myself in the past when you're trying to get rid of 
you know, the groups and the crowds. Last year, I remember he was very successful fishing those outside, more subtle area groups. Um, and uh, that that is absolutely a viable thing on this lake um, because it has so many fish in it that you can fish secondary stuff. Extra uh, fish. Extra fish. I, yeah, I was going to steal Brian's uh, term <laughs> of extra fish, but <laughs> Champlain's, Cayuga's, St. Lawrence, Oneidas, those places have extra fish. <laughs> you can get away from people and utilize extra fish. And uh, Ike, from when I've seen him on that lake, he knows exactly how to do that. Yep. Well, you knew how, exactly how to do it this week. Uh, what? How were you doing it? Uh, what were the tools? What were the baits you were getting them with? Uh, standard smallmouth stuff, a uh, small Ned rig just with a TRD um, uh, uh, drop shot with a flat, flat worm. Um, small football jig, homemade football jig, um, tube a little bit as well. Um, just using standard fare and um, I was focused the big thing was where you're throwing it which it always is and I was throwing it on any transition I could find any irregularity um, and pretty much like three to 10 or 12 feet I caught a few out in 14 or 15 feet but by and large most of what I weighed in came three to eight feet uh, rock to sand sand to grass uh, rock spines, boulder clusters, any irregularity, irregularity I could find, I would put myself in the right areas and I would use, I had as many marked out as I could in practice, but when I would get somewhere that I felt like there was a little more fish, I would hunt around a little bit and use 360 to find, you know, other irregularities that I didn't have marked out. And just literally every cast I made was to some form of irregularity. 360, I, I, I read that. That was a important component in your fishing how, how did you have your 360 set up were you were you looking way out do you have it dialed in tight how did you how were you set up i always run it as far out as i can i had it on uh 85 or 90 feet out this week um which i'm always i always try and run that thing 80 plus feet i love to get to 100 105 if i can it just gets a little difficult in all that rock because uh, that beam going way out there has will get some feedback off of like those pure rock areas. So in that instance, you got to suck it in just a little bit. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I just I sent that thing out as far as I could. I started stayed as far away from the fish as I can and bombed it in there. And one of the subtle things I'll give up a little bit of juice here just because. I'm a big Bass U, Ike P, BTC fan. Hell yeah. Um, the, awesome. uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, one of my favorite things about 360 is the fact that it can display waypoints on 360. And I use 360 with the waypoints to line myself up perfectly. Um, live imaging also helps for that. I didn't use, you know, forward facing sonar to catch fish per se this week, but 360 with forward-facing sonar and waypoints on your 360 is absolutely the best way to throw your bait in a coffee cup from 100 feet away. That's awesome. How, how did you cycle through your baits? Like, when would you pick up a tube versus a Ned versus the football head? Uh, was it depending on the habitat? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, some of that stuff was overly snaggy, so you couldn't – you know, you didn't want a football jig or a, a tube dragging through that to fray the last couple feet of your lineup. So in that instance, I would throw a drop shot. Um, if it was like more of a sandier bottom, lighter bottom, I'd throw that, you know, tube and jig. Um, 
Ned rig, same thing. Um, you know, just kind of rotated through it. And then they seemed to like the jig when the wind got going. And they seemed to like a jig a little bit deeper. And I could control that jig, feel that jig in that deeper stuff, that 12 to 15. I could feel it, control it a little bit better. And I didn't get any bites on the jig when it was dead calm. So that the key to the jig was the wind. Man, I noticed that on Lake Oneida uh, that, man, they, they, they will be there, but they won't bite the same stuff like during yeah. different conditions. When it's calm, they want certain things versus windy versus cloudy. They change, yeah. they change a lot. Yeah, there was a few times during the tournament, I'm sure you remember, when it got just perfectly slick, dead calm. You could see yeah. it. It's clearer right now than I've seen it possibly ever. And there was a few moments when I wished I had a, a weightless Senko or something like that rigged up because it was so clear they, they wouldn't even bite any of that stuff. So definitely a few times I wished I had a weightless worm rigged up. But, um, you know, we survived luckily with the other stuff. Man, you sure did. I just want to mention everybody that's watching. We got a, If you're watching us over on Facebook, we have a like and share and comment contest going on. <laughs> what are they going to win? Uh, we're going to pick a winner to win what? Um, they win a six-month subscription to Bass Ooh. University or a six-month extension to Bass University. So. Outstanding. So if you're, if you're watching over there, like it, share it, and comment, and we will get you guys uh, hooked up for sure. Uh, what do you got, BTC? And a grand prize for and all our, subscribers. And our grand prize <laughs> is a Rapala prize back. Rapala and VMC. Awesome. Price and we're, we, and pay attention. Dollars. Yeah. Pay attention to what Casey's saying because we're going to base that question off of the goods that he's delivering here on the show. So uh, we're going to be giving away that grand prize at the end of the show. Uh, I've got a question for Casey. What do you got? So before we uh, brought you on, we got into a conversation about color and, and uh, feel like that color was the big difference between Pete's success on day one and his epic collapse on day two. <laughs> <laughs> um, epic. Can you relate to what we were, what we were getting at with black work in, in, in high bright conditions and and uh, I, I was in the i was muted i couldn't hear anything but uh what what was the deal i used black in the in the dead slick sunny stuff yeah i i was uh i think i captured about 30 30 bass on day one and i was using black pretty much on day one it was slick calm we did have a little bit overcast but it was slick calm and sunny and and that was day two my uh my co brought out watermelon and really started to unload on them in that yeah. color combination in the clouds and the light breeze. And it, it just took me a while to catch up to that color change. Did, did you, did, what were the colors you were using and, and have you seen that before? Uh, I, I don't know that I've seen it specifically when it gets dead calm, but we used to use a lot of black, especially like a gulp leech was a real big thing oh, yeah. for a long time. I mean, that I probably shouldn't bring that up because I think it's coming back a little bit. But, um, you know, we definitely would use that. A black Ned rig was a big thing. Like before a Ned rig was even a Ned rig, we would just cut a Senko in half and use the last three feet of it or three inches of it and uh, put that on whatever jig head we could we could drum up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely with smallmouth, black is the deal. I thought about putting a black football jig on because a lot of the crawdads they were spitting up were really 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 dark mm. um and i don't know if that was from being so shallow that the sun had just like almost tanned them or they were they were trying to blend in with that really dark rock but i thought about trying that 
like a black spider jig used to be a big thing too. So I, I definitely, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Don't bring <laughs> up spider don't. jig. Don't bring up the spite, yeah, the sorry. term spider jig. I'm still, <laughs> still hurting over it. But uh, yeah, Jocelyn, I know we've got a lot of people uh, watching uh, over on Bashy.tv and elsewhere. Um, what you got any questions for I us? I do. Okay, I have a couple questions. Uh, the first question I have is from Frank. He said, did scent play a role in catching your bass? And if so, what kind? Um, I'm not a huge scent guy, but I did use a lot of Max Scent stuff this week. Um, I don't, you know, not sponsored by any of that or anything, but um, I, I did use all, uh, primarily my soft baits were Max Scent stuff. Um, like trailer on my jig, I had a Rage Craw on there, but I also used a Max Scent Chigger Craw a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I try not to make that be a factor in my fishing because I don't like to uh, sit there and say they're biting it because of the scent or not because of the scent. Um, but I did use Max Scent this week and they had it choked a lot. I had several fish that were like, I had to really take care of them to, to uh, keep them alive in the live all because they're biting it so deep and getting, getting baits so deep. So and, and well, I was using uh, Max Scent, and then I put Finescence on it. I used uh, Bait Fuel. I used uh, <laughs> I used every scent that I could possibly think of to try to get some bites on day two, but uh, <laughs> could, couldn't make it work. Josh, you got you got another. I do. You got uh, another we have a question from Lincoln G. How did you decide what areas you wanted to mark out? Um, I so I'm I fortunately since I live here, um. I know the lake very well and or I live close to here anyways, close to there anyways. So I, I've covered the entire lake. And once I established a pattern of the type of shallow rock they were on, I just used my Lake master map and found everything that looks similar across the lake. And a lot of that I've had marked out already just from living here, but that's the benefit of being a local is you have all that already. Plus, you can find additional stuff in areas of the lake you don't normally find or away from the crowd or something overly subtle or even better, not even on a map. So um, I just established the pattern and it, it had been going on for a couple of weeks. So I was pretty fortunate that it lasted as long as it did and um, just used my mapping to uh, look for similar stuff and ran it around the entire lake. Were, were those shoals, the, those places that you were fishing, were they like... Uh, were you very close to spawning areas? Were they in the spawning bays? Where, where was the habitat located? Where exactly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, latitude and longitude, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, I mean, there's, like we were talking with how many fish are in that lake. They spawn all over the lake. Mm. And they spawn right on a lot of those humps and rock piles and stuff as well, um, where they'll just stay right there shallow um, I saw, I saw beds in a few of the areas, you know, there was no fish on them. I did hear of a few guys catching a few fish off beds, including some largemouth. but, um, yeah, there was spawning habitat there close by around it and part of it in all those areas. Um, I probably utilized shoreline type stuff. Like I not, I wasn't out on the main shoals of the lake a whole lot way out in the middle. Um, I was around the shorelines a little bit more, but uh, I did have a couple holes that were out on those shoals. Uh, I'm sure guys caught them out there because there was a million guys out there, but I tended to stay a little bit more towards the actual shoreline cover. I didn't feel like they had migrated out into the middle of the lake very well yet. 
Gotcha. Jocelyn, you got another one? Yes, we have a very important question from Alex. He wants to know, do you find you catch bigger bass wearing flip-flops or sneakers? <laughs> <laughs> sneakers all day. I got a bad back. I got to wear wheels. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's a better shoe for fishing. I yeah. thought that was uh, debatable. <laughs> it's not Rich, quite as- Richard has his flip-flops with his tan. and. Yeah. Yep. Come on, you got no lateral movement. If that fish moves, you'll step right out of your flip-flops, roll around in your boat. It's mess. He's young enough. He can power through that. (laughs) Mind you, at the Bassmaster Classic, those things smelled so bad from like a mile away. That's another thing, too. Flip-flops smell horrible. I can't handle myself sitting there at dinner wearing stinky flip-flops. Man. Maybe <laughs> shout maybe. out to Michelle from American Bait Works for saving the day and bringing me she new flip flops at at that event. <laughs> and, and, shortly, and shortly after that, that's when uh, bait fuel was created. So. Oh yeah. yeah, it's true. You know what? It's the flip flops. Uh, it, rich, rich uh, excretes bait fuel. <laughs> that might be the answer. Might be the answer. I don't know. BTC, did you have something? Oh, I thought you did. Oh, I did. But when yeah. Well, when, when I, so I want to talk about the vegetation on Lake Oneida. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I know we were, when I was with Mike, we were, you know, seeking out cabbage specifically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how key was that in, in your great question, your event? Um, the cabbage, not so much, actually. Oh. Um, but the milfoil was. And the reason the milfoil is because the milfoil grows in hard bottom areas. And they love to have those random sprigs of milfoil. It's not like it used to be on Oneida where you could go out and you could flip a one ounce jig or a three quarter ounce beaver or whatever you flip. And you could flip that grass in the past and catch a large mouth one flip and a small mouth the next flip. It's much more um, sporadic. I don't know if that's from the zebra mussels or they're, I, I have no idea what it's from, but honestly, in all of our lakes around here, there's a lot less milfoil than there ever used to be but it's key and it's necessary and um although it's not super thick it's there there's a sprig here a sprig there it's up there on the rock and those sand transitions the cabbage brian did grow in the sand and that was a sign that it was a sand bottom was that there was cabbage and usually somewhere near that edge there was a good transition Um, there was other good cabbage throughout the lake and i've caught them in that cabbage before i know some guys in the top 10 did um, I didn't focus specifically on the cabbage. I did fish it a little bit in practice looking for some large mouth, but um, I focused a little bit more on the milfoil in the tournament. The milfoil, was it uh, was it mature? Like, I don't remember seeing very much milfoil. Like, it, was not. it short? Um, it was, yeah, it was up within a foot or so of the surface. Wow. It's definitely fresh. There's a lot more right now than there was two weeks ago. You know, that was one thing I noticed at the cash-in tournament was I was looking for it and it wasn't there. And throughout practice in our tournament, it grew up, you know, showed up more and more. Um, but yeah, it wasn't all the way up to the surface like it gets in the middle of the summer, but it was it was there. You could see it with your eyes, definitely. One of the grasses that seemed to be real prevalent on Oneida, and I, I caught fish out of it, and uh, is that real stringy, we call it star grass. Yeah, uh, I call it pond weed. I think pond, I don't okay. think it's really called. Right. But yeah, it was really heavy down in the west end around the ramp. I know a lot of guys caught fish. I looked at it a little bit, but it was so vast in a few of the areas that I I just couldn't break it down in a timely fashion. So I kind of left it alone. Yeah, and it was it was hard to fish around too because even weedless baits were challenging yeah. to get through it. You know, without hanging up on it and bringing some grass back. 
Yeah, we have that in Cayuga now. It's like the, right? the yeah. predominant grass in Cayuga, and it'll stay up until about this time of year, and then it'll die. Most people say they cut it at Cayuga and they treat it, but they don't. It just dies when it gets a little hotter. Um, but we fish around it all the time over there, and it's a nightmare. You can't present very many baits effectively in that stuff because, like you said, they just get all balled up and – it's a, it's difficult to deal with. Pete, is that different than what we call river grass? It is. Okay. It, it's similar in the yeah. way that it looks. Because I've heard guys on the flats call what we call river grass. I've heard them call it star grass. Yeah. But I remember it from Cayuga last year dealing with the grass you're d- explaining. And, yeah, it was really tough to get a to get a bait through. It was almost like you, you kind of had to get away from it. Exactly. I We'll have to identify that grass because I don't really know what it's called. but it's And it's tall. I mean, it grows yeah. 10, 12, 15 feet deep, it grows. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, this this had to be an important thing for you. You were um, struggling uh, mightily on day three. I, I was doing the same thing on day two, uh, struggling with small fish, and things weren't going my way. Didn't seem like things were going your way early on day three, but you righted the ship, and it seemed like uh, – there, it may be even a little emotional uh, because of where and and how it happened for you. Yeah, that was uh, incredible. Honestly, uh, um, as much as it was tough to struggle the way it ended, I wouldn't have it any other way now that it's done. Um, when I won that FLW tournament in or MLF now in 2016, I took the lead. That was the first one I ever fished at that level. Wow. Took the lead after day two. It was on the Potomac. Brian Schmidt was in second. Ever heard of him? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And um, I caught my fish like really quick in the morning, and it was over like that fast. So I never had to go through that. And if I had to go through what I went through this week in that tournament, I don't think I would have pulled it off. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I, w- I had I went to my first couple areas and caught one little fish, maybe two pounder, pound and three quarters, and. Um, struggled till about 10 o'clock. I got two bites and said, you just got to keep going. You got to keep moving. That was the plan all week. And up to that point, I was really trying to force it in areas I had caught them in previous days. And I knew that was the wrong thing to do. And I, it's the hardest thing not to do. Um, and so I kept doing it. Once I kind of got myself moving, um, coincidentally, at the same time, my wife came out, my son had a lacrosse game that morning and uh, they came out and found me around 1130 and I pulled into uh, a bay, uh, Billington Bay, and um, I pulled up to a rock pile that, uh, you know, we used to fish all the time um, on family vacations. I would, you know, buy some live crawdads and give her a drop shot, and she would, you know, throw it over the side, and I would fish a jig and drop shot and all that, top water, and, you know, she would catch fish on live bait while I was catching them, doing whatever, and uh, last year we took our son out there and did the same thing, and just coincidentally, when they came out, that was the area that I pulled into. And uh, it was about noon. I got my first decent bite in there. And from noon to one o'clock on that same same rock pile, I used to take them live bait fishing. Um, I caught the entire bag that I weighed in wow. right in front of them. They were 100 feet away. We were hooting, hollering, blowing <laughs> horn. It was a Lee Livesey Lake Fork. Nice. Lake, but there was only like five That's of us awesome. out there. So. I don't have that many fans, but, um, yeah, it was super special. It was, it was, um, you know, I turned to my wife at one point after I, I had that bag and 
Um, you know, I might have been sandbagging on fast track a little bit. So I was yelling my real weight over to them. And uh, once I had over 18 pounds, I yelled over, you know, I got I got 18 and change. And and uh, they were hooting and hollering. I turned to my wife. I said, Tiff, do you know where we are? And she's like, I don't know. It kind of looks familiar. I said, we're on the crawdad hole. We're on the top water hole. And she just like lost it. She started crying and was super awesome. emotional. It was uh, it was unbelievable. I when stuff like that's going to happen, I don't think you can stop it. That's fantastic. Wow. That, you know, the, and you said it like when something like that's going to happen, you can't stop it. And uh, it 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 happened for you. And it, it was a great win. It really was. And now you're going to you're going to take that to the next level and uh, see if you can do it on the big stage. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's uh, it's a little overwhelming, a little intimidating already. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, I, I don't want to go there and just be a guy who shows up. You know, I want to try and do the best I can. I'm not saying that I can hang with those guys, but, um, you know, I although I don't have the longest Bassmaster resume at this point, I've been around the block a little bit on the other side, and um, I feel like I can handle – uh, a bigger stage and I want to go there and compete and see how I can do. I might finish dead last, um, but uh, I'm not going to try to. <laughs> That's the right attitude to have. And, uh, and they have smallmouth, I believe. I would yeah. guess they have smallmouth down there. Yeah, I think those are the dumb ones that don't act right in that lake. It's on um, the Tennessee River, right? Where it's in, it's yeah. out of Knoxville. Oh, they're smallmouth. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I don't know those smallmouth. They don't act right. There's something wrong with those ones down there. But right. we'll see yeah. if we can catch a few. Do you have your uh, walkout song picked out yet? Uh, probably Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I don't know. I haven't. Decided. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like it. Yeah. I like it. We got Baby Shark, and now we got that. Nice. <laughs> we got that. You you mentioned this earlier. Just wanted you to weigh in on it. Uh, man, the the state record was caught on Cayuga uh, just a month ago. Well, that was man, that was spectacular to watch. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Oh, my thoughts are I hate to see it because it's a gem and nobody really knew about uh, it, um, especially <laughs> as a smallmouth fishery. But yep. we knew. Um, all of us that live there and especially fish there very, very early season like that, we knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad caught a 7-8 smallie with me a couple weeks before that. Uh, another buddy of mine caught a 7-11. Um, so we knew that was coming. Wow. They are getting ridiculous in that lake, and it won't surprise me if it gets broken again sooner than later. And it also won't surprise me. I don't know what the largemouth record is. It's like 10 or 11 pounds. It's really big, but... It won't surprise me if it comes from there also. That place wow. is, um, I hate to say it, but it's really no secret anymore. It's the best fishery in the country. I've put my money on that day wow. in and day out. Wow. 100%. 100% Bassmasters. Uh, no offense to Lake Oneida. We want to go to Cayuga. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> sure, I heard there's Gobi in, in uh, Oneida. Yeah, there's Gobi in Oneida and Cayuga. Um there's been gobies in both of them for a really long time. It just got a lot more hype recently um, for whatever reason in Oneida, but um, they are playing a major factor in both of those places. And I would imagine, I don't know that I can say I have definitive proof on Cayuga, but I, I'm po- about positive the largemouth are eating the, the life out of those things too. Yeah, I so. I, I'm sure they are. The, the, now we've, I fished a uh, BFL on Cayuga last year and, like you said, the grass was gone. Like I think we were there in August, 
And yeah, I won it, Pete. Come on, give me some credit, Mister. <laughs> Congratulations on that, that that W, man. Oh man, I didn't I didn't even realize that uh, that extra W. I, I got the I got the, I got the beat down twice from Casey. Thanks. Give me some credit, Pete. Come yeah. on. Hey, I was I was a contender in that tournament. Anyway, yeah, you did but, well, Eric. Because didn't you win Angler of the Year in the BFL division last year? I, I did. I did. I appreciate you pointing that out. Yeah. Mean, uh, <laughs> Thank you, thank you for that. But they, they uh, but there was no grass on the north end, man. It was like ten miles. It was naked. Uh, yeah. Everybody said the Army Corps sprayed it, but you say no. No, I don't think so. I, I, I know uh, a lot of my friends live right there on the lake, so they can sneak out on weeknights and stuff like that. I, don't, I you know, I'm more there on weekends. But um, a lot of those guys have said they've seen them out spraying grass. Um, my understanding is that's primarily targeted towards a little bit of hydrilla that got in the lake uh, quite a while ago now, but it got down in the south end. They found it all the way up around Aurora and the college and all that. Um, I've never seen them spray anything. Um, the the grass we were talking about, the pond weed, you know, it it dies on its own. That's a natural cycle of the of the season. We have it on Oneida, we have it on Sotus Bay, the other lakes in the area. It's in all those lakes as well. And all those lakes it dies around the same time of year, which is mid-July, which I think is about when we had that BFL last year. It was late July or August. And when it gets real hot, that stuff dies. Um, and yes, at that BFL, there was very, very, very little grass, but the grass that there was had them in it and they were in it ridiculously thick, um, but you had to find it. Right. Right. It's well, it's interesting because as you get in certain parts of that lake, yeah, it, it appeared as though they sprayed it because it was so dense, so thick, so yeah. full. And uh, but then you'd get in areas where it typically is and it was gone. So it, I could, uh, you know, that's the conclusion that I it must have been sprayed. You know, yeah, I'm pretty sure it just dies when it gets really hot. Um, mm -hmm. It does it every year around the same exact time. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but it coincidentally at the same time it dies in all the other lakes it's in at the same time as well. Um, you know, but the crazy thing there is there's just no, there's no milfoil left. I mean, you can get down the lake and find it a little bit, but that whole North end, when I was a kid, we had a cottage there, there was milfoil everywhere. And um, they're, they're actively trying to track that down and get rid of that, which is super frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, when you go to the launch there, they have people that ask you, you know, they inspect your boat for grass and they find a sprig of milfoil on it and they ask you where they were, where you were, and they, you know, give you some, you know, response about we got to get rid of it. You as a fisherman shouldn't want it. The fish can't spawn and blah, blah, blah. And Hold on. They're know, saying the fish can't spawn in milfoil? Yeah, exactly. Which you guys <laughs> from where you live in the country with the Chesapeake, you know that spawning in milfoil is probably the best habitat you can have. Yeah, uh, the best. Why would they be lying? The best. Yeah. So it's, it's frustrating. I wish we could get rid of that, but the lake is still in good shape. Um, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Well, I love it up there. Uh, man, you, the, that, that part of New York is my favorite. Um, and congratulations, man. That was just an sure. amazing win and couldn't be more thrilled for you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a blast and, uh, definitely enjoy watching you. We'll see you at the classic. Yeah, we, we, you guys. Hey, if guys want to root for you, they follow you on social. How do how do they follow uh, your classic? 
Yeah, I'm not uh, the best social or sponsor or any of that type guy, but uh, I got Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram is at Casey Smitty and my uh, Facebook. I just got a regular Facebook friend page, but if you throw me a friend request, I'll I'll prove it. It's just Casey Smith on there, but uh, I don't do a lot. I'm horrible. The people that do support me and sponsor me always bust my chops because I suck at it, but uh, I'm going to get better. I promise yeah. I'll do some more. So uh, thanks to those guys for sticking with me, even though uh, I do what I do. So <laughs> well, well, that's it, it was great win. I you know you you give me the beat down last year on Cayuga. You did it again here on a <laughs> night. Did you do you mind if I win the Chesapeake? Yeah, come on with it, Pete. Win <laughs> <laughs> that one. You yeah. got to get Jake and Shelley to show up out in a boat. That's right. That's. Key. That's we got. We got to find a. Building. You got to get Jake and his three buddies that you took out this year to for that smash Camp out. Yeah, yep. we'll we'll call it Billington Shoal yeah. out there. Yep. Get yourself a crawdad hole and go out there and jack them in the last open. Oh, uh, all right, I'm on it, Casey. Thanks right. so much, man. Appreciate you. Good luck at the classic. Thanks for being with us. All right, thanks, Casey guys. Smith, the all champ. Right. All right, man. What a what an amazing win. Quite a winner. One. You know, oh, on, yeah. on the MLF, won the BFL last year. Yep. Uh, he's, got, he's got it going on. Yeah. Yep. Fished, uh, I think he's fished the nation championship twice. Twice. Yep. And now he's going to the class. Now he's going to the big dance. And he doesn't wear a jersey, which I – which I freaking love. You <laughs> <laughs> might have to have one for the classic, though. Yeah, I believe I believe he is. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We've got some really cool stuff coming up. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a, a champion's unboxing. And we are going to be talking about uh, a, a little uh, iCast preview. So oh. hang in there with us, as well as we're going to be giving away our grand prize. If you're watching over on Facebook, like it, share it, comment, and we're going to put you in a contest to win a, a Bash University six-month subscription. So hang in there, guys. We'll be right back after this. BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel. Providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? 
I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water 